Hello, hello. So uh, I want to actually start by acknowledging our bot in the channel. Hello, bot. <laughs> I don't think bots have to be logged in or anything like that. Um, and the reason I want to talk about a bot is that I went and I banned that bot, but that for some reason doesn't actually remove a bot from a Twitch channel. And I find that rather fascinating because that's pretty obvious. That's so obvious that I, in fact, went out and uh, I looked around, found uh, an official Twitch feature request. You know, one of 71 items. So it's not like it's an overwhelming amount of stuff. This is on user voice, though. So I'm supposing that it's not a primary channel for Twitch to use. But um, there is an official response for it. So, I mean, they at least monitor this channel. And, and the, the quote-unquote feature idea, I'd call it a bug personally, but the feature idea is, um, you know, you ban someone, kick them out of a chat. <laughs> just, just remove their name. And there are many reasons for wanting this, not the least of which is there are people that have offensive names and so you don't want them in your chat and so you you want to ban somebody that's got and some people gave some really hilarious bot names um but yeah you you think you just ban somebody and get rid of them and the original request was may 28th 2017 and it was acknowledged finally april 15th 2019 nothing has been done to this date <laughs> this is august 2nd 2020 so yeah um the, the best people are able to figure is that chat for twitch is running on a different kind of framework which is the correct thing to do but uh i guess they're not trying because they don't care because this is this is not rocket science um, I'm actually going to post a link in, uh, in chat for that. Oh, why is it? I don't want to filter. I want to actually use chat. Oh, I use it over here. Um, and, uh, I don't think it's important enough that we insert it into a video or anything silly. Uh, maybe we can put that in the description for this, for this video when it's uploaded on YouTube. Do you want me to make a note of that, Minion, or can you do that? I tossed it into the timestamp thing. And that's an interesting thing to bring up. So, um, I ramble a lot. Uh, there may be some evolution in the show toward having knowable segments with particular topics. And that we're not there yet. So, the notion is that I talk and... It's possible to catch wind of where a conversation or a monologue is going, and you take a note and just throw a hopefully an accurate timestamp. Now it's possible to do that that side of things better, and in fact there are um, there there are some mechanisms that maybe even I could develop that would help with that, and um and it's possible to take that listing and we're using a program called audacity to do uh, post editing it's a free and open source 
audio editing program. And it's, uh, it's capable enough to be quite overwhelming. Um, if you just want to do basic stuff and you don't want to learn a whole lot, it, you need like tutorials to actually get through this thing. And one of its features, which I had to kind of poke around to find, is uh, called labels. And labels can exist. So normally what you'd have is you have a waveform on the timeline. So that's like the squiggly little, little lines from zero seconds up to the length of your audio clip. And it, that is the, the nuances of sound that are coming in being mapped out into that waveform. And you could actually listen to it and you see the little scroll bar going across but you can also add a marker you add a second track with a marker that has some text it's pretty straightforward stuff as an idea i was really hoping that it would be around okay so that exists and i'm not just able to arbitrarily find a place and type it in but i can pull up a, a nice list the fe <laughs> the feature isn't good enough for my liking but I'm able to pull up a list and just add them kind of like cells in a spreadsheet. It's pretty straightforward. And it's useful internally if we want to cut a show apart um, and listen to something specific and maybe pull out a clip. But it's also interesting that in theory, in the future, it would be possible to go through that listing and export it as a subtitle file of some sort. And YouTube, for one, does support uploading a separate subtitle track and that would actually display as text within like optionally the user can turn on uh, subtitles and that also means that they turn on subtitles or turn them off and it's it's painted by a font by their computer and stuff like that as opposed to hard coding it into a video where a person can't get rid of it now, i've had experience with hard coding um, subtitles for, because uh, I do, I, I fiddled with a bunch of tutorials on learning a language called Frisian. It's the closest cousin to English spoken in Friesland in the Netherlands. And so I would take these clips uh, with permission. It's really nice to have licensing that's talked about on other people's media. And I was able to pull that out and edit it and prepare subtitles. And that, that's a really obnoxious thing to do, but it's really necessary if somebody's speaking a second language and you need to be able to read it. And in the case of something like a show, I'm not going to go through and do something as nuanced as that. It's possible for us to jump through some hoops and get uh, like a, a, an AI of some sort to listen to the audio and pull it out. It's even possible for us, I've talked about this in the past, it's possible for us to leverage the existing features of a place like YouTube, where we can upload something privately, have it go through the audio, pull out that audio, that uh, transcription, that uh, computer-assisted transcription, clean it up, um, take uh, like re-upload it into that video or into a new video as a subtitle file and have it kind of be be cleaned up. It is possible to do that kind of thing. It's not really, um, it's probably less work than I think, but it's additional work for not a whole lot of gain. And that's, I mean, at, at this point, um, I want to do as little as possible, not out of laziness, but out of the fact that 
I'm not sure how much extra stuff needs to be done. So, so I kind of want to have, I don't want to overwhelm the my 80% time with stuff that really should be pushed into 20% time. Even though I don't have enough to fill my 80%, I'd rather sit on my hands. Because if you start filling up that 80% with these additional little experiments, now those experiments might pan out into something really useful. But the problem is uh, that that's crowding out what should be made available, uh, like a schedule that should be open for other things that do need to be done. Um, so I'd rather just have that that scheduling be unreserved than than spend it on something like transcriptions. Transcriptions, um, I don't know how many podcasty type stuff actually curate their transcriptions. I don't know that that would be important until we get enough uh, like non non English native speakers, which. I mean, theoretically speaking, a lot of the topics being spoken on are um, not grounded in English. So it's possible for somebody who has it as a second language or somebody who would otherwise need to have subtitles. It's possible for those sorts to have interest. So theoretically speaking, I mean, theoretically speaking, if there were an international audience and stuff like that, um, then this might be valuable. Um, I don't know that I would pursue it until it's really significant. Like I, I wouldn't pursue an extra amount of work just to convince like our thousand and first person to be a regular, right? Unless it's going to be useful for a significant enough crowd right now, like at, at that particular moment, only then would I pursue this additional amount of effort. I wouldn't pursue it in the hopes that it would be useful for either keeping or attracting a certain kind of audience. And that's just the class of, of feature that that is. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't work on that class of feature uh, as a, as a hope, as a, a f future thing. I would work on it as, as a, as maintenance for something that already exists because it will immediately pay for itself. Um, and that's partly because of of not knowing the return on investment for it, not knowing if there's demand at all or if there would be a demand, and uh, and that would be part of an eighty percent thing. So it would have to be a have a track record record of of value to actually be included like that. Otherwise, it would just be this experimental thing. I'd maybe try it once to see what it was would be like. Um, but you know, unless there's a crowd that immediately benefits, I wouldn't bother with something like that. Um, so, so yeah, I talked about the bots thing, which was really hilarious for me to learn because um, I've used a lot of software in my life. Exploring software is one of the things that I've done kind of as a hobby for decades. So I have bumped into many, many different kinds of, of projects that have had outstanding feature requests which is understandable cuz developers don't necessarily have the time to work on everything that everybody wants especially if you have a widely used piece of software there's going to be somebody that has some 
some unusual, some atypical kind of thing that they want to do, some problem that they want to solve. And that may not quite be the main focus of the of a program. And so that stuff gets kind of put, it's it's like a nice to have thing, right? That's understandable. But when it's like a bug or something per, perceived kind of like a bug, it's something that should be there philosophically, it ought to be there, and it's been set aside. I've seen this so many times um, where stuff like that has been left um, unresolved. It, there would be conversation about a thing defining it, refining how it ought to be done. And as the rest of the program changes, uh, the, the, that particular issue gets re-examined and cleaned up, and, but nothing's actually done at all. It's not like little bits and pieces are done. It's just not, it's just left alone. So I can go back to something from, from 2003 and, and it, they will just have this chain of a couple of hundred different comments, some of which are really good, but some of which are, hey guys, this has been around since 2003. Are you going to get around to doing it? Which isn't a helpful comment at all. And that one extra voice isn't actually meaningful. You just go to a, a bug and you subscribe to it and that gets put into a list and it tells the developers what kind of kind of popularity that particular item has. And many projects have some sort of open bug tracker and there are features cooked in that let people um, communicate in, in open, like in conversational text and in a little bit more of a subtle way. So for example, GitHub, GitHub has a, a feature for like the Facebook style emoticon responses to somebody else's comment. So you can like thumbs up something if you want to. I mean, that's dumb, but that conveys enough so that you don't have to type something. Like, cause it used to be a thing where you'd comment on, on like a forum post or whatever and go plus one. And it, it's just dumb. <laughs> it's just dumb because maybe everybody gets email notified or something like that. And it's not important that that some other person has the same like it's but adding a little emoticon or subscribing to that particular issue so you get notified that gets put into a list that people can see your name in that list stuff like that uh, Ubuntu that's a Linux distribution has uh, has a feature that it it just asks. Uh, it's like a button that says, uh, this is affecting me too. And I think it's a button that you can click even if you're not logged in. I'm not really sure how they, how they prevent abuse or something like that, like somebody anonymous clicking on stuff or what have you. But the notion is really good. It's just like, like a developer doesn't need to actually hear from every single person affecting it, just repeating the same thing. They don't want to have duplications. They don't want to have new perspectives. They don't even necessarily want to have suggestions on how to fix the thing from everyday users because that's often just not helpful. Sometimes it's just embarrassing. And now the developer has to possibly interact with that person's bad idea or explain the reasoning behind why 
why they're not doing it or why they're doing it a certain way, which is a frustrating waste of time. I would rather have a developer develop than have to do the the tech support kind of uh what would the term be in business? Mm, the text curating for issues well there's like a it's like a customer service type of thing and and there's a reason why you have different like tiers of tech support in like if you're calling your cable company or something like that and you might call them be like you know i have static on this channel or something really weird like that and person one just runs you through a script <laughs> like and it's and it might be embarrassing and stuff like that but it would actually solve enough problems that's why it's there and there's an equivalent for reporting a bug to a piece of software which is you fill, fill out a web form and it asks really basic things like what version are you using right because one of the problems that people have is you're using an old version your problem's already been solved like Ta-da! And so you ask some of those dumb questions up front, and then the next tier would be, you know, check would be um for for like an issue tracker for a piece of software, would be has somebody else reported on that exact same problem? Like, have you actually looked to see? Right? If you look to see, have they found what's called a workaround? Like did they find a way to not necessarily solve the problem, but do things a little bit a different way that it solved well enough that maybe you, you for your problem, for your version of the problem, you could also copy paste their solution and, and figure it out. Right. And maybe that would be good enough. And then, and so on and so on and so on until you've reproduced all the steps and you provided all the information and then you post a, a a beautiful bug report and it's unique and it's well crafted and the developer can step in step in and just go okay and then reproduce it on their end because they understand it because you explained it well and then and then and then and there's one really um beautiful piece of it, we'll call it an essay so i was rereading it recently and it's called how to ask questions the smart way and I highly recommend this. And if you just search for that phrase, how to ask questions the smart way, you'll get it. It's by a pair of guys. I believe the names are Eric Raymond and Rick Moen. And uh, they're both smarter than the average bear. And when developers sit down and write something like that, you, you read it, you read it because they've got the experience backing something like that. And in this particular case, they both have writing experience that's a vague idea for developers but um and there's that document links to another one i think it's something like how to how to report bugs something like this it's actually something from written in 1999 and it's still valid now and it goes through the reasonings and the methods of how you how you eventually get around to communicating with a developer all the steps you should go through first. And the reason I'm talking about all that stuff is I want the developer. So say, for example, I had a problem with a piece of software and I like the piece of software. So I want to fix my problem. 
and I go and I go to the right place and I follow all these steps. Like I learn if I've got the updated version, I try again. I learn to see if there's anybody else that's got the same problem. I try to try to solve my problem the way other people have. I search for errors. I fiddle around more and, and I go through all these steps. If I do that, what I've done is I've saved the developer time. And I've, I've made everything really concise so that when I'm presenting it to a developer, I'm not wasting their time, right? I'm not wasting their time. I'm doing as much of the, the grunt work as possible. So the developer can move away from being customer support to being a raw developer working on my problem, perhaps. Because I want that person to be working on the software not helping the people necessarily. So if I want my problem fixed, I need to do all this work up front. I need to actually do it because technically speaking, if, if I want to have something change in a piece of software I use, if I want an update to come out with some feature, I'm participating in making that happen. And this is uh, a it's, it's a fairly, okay, so this is an idea that started um, in commercial software, but primarily with everyday person facing open source software. The idea that a user could actually talk to a developer and, and have stuff happen. So for example, I, could, I can hire somebody to update a piece of software. I can do that, but if I want to do it for free, I got to put in the, the legwork, the time and effort. If I want to save money, I put in the time and effort. So there's the, the three things. In so many situations, there's the three things. There's time, effort, and money. So I could, I could look at a workout, time, effort, and money. I could look at updating software, time, effort, and money. So if I, if I wanted to save effort, I, I spend money <laughs> and maybe work with that developer. So I'm spending time as well to make that thing happen. If I want to save money, I'm putting in a lot of time and the effort. I'm looking for the problems. I'm trying the solutions myself. Now, if, if I want to write it, and it's the same thing with physicality. And that's a perfectly good, good avenue for me to, to switch to that topic. So if, if for a workout, so you would say time, effort, money. If you wanted to save time, you would hire a personal trainer with that money, right? There's still effort involved right? But the expertise gets shifted over to that. And you still have to spend the time and actually do that. If you, if you want to save time, you better put in a whole lot of, of work. So instead of, you know, an hour and a half class of X um, and spending the, so if you want to save money, you would have like a, a, a home setup and you would spend four hours a day. Like you, and that would be amazing. But if you want to save time, you'll probably spend the money and go someplace specialized and get specialized help. If you wanted to make it easy on yourself, then, then you'd really have to have somebody that understands you and you'd have to relax and do it. You'd have to play the long game. So if you want to lose weight, but not really try very hard, I can totally give you a plan for that. It will take you 10 years. I'm not joking but it'll work <laughs> it'll work and um and so there the thing is when you're pursuing something 
the full zero to a hundred doesn't have to be with that in mind. You can, what some people do is I don't recommend this. I don't recommend this because I don't understand this and I'm not your, I'm not your doctor or your lawyer or anything else. So there's a, I'm going to call it a medication and there is a substance that you can consume. And I know this is available in the United States. I don't know if it's available in Canada and, and that's partly why I can't remember its name. But what happens is uh, you take this and it's an adjustment to your, um, to, to your, well, what's, what's the term? Um, metabolism, I guess it would be the generic way of putting it. So you take the substance and it cranks up your metabolism. Now you're going to die if you do that. So this, these are people that are pushing themselves there. So they're spending the money on this specific thing, but it's, they suffer for it. So it's not recommended and I don't recommend it and I wouldn't do it because what it does is it turn, turns you up. So you literally have a higher body temperature and your body's literally stressing itself out. And so it's burning more calories. So people will say that this is a good entry point for getting into like crash diets are the worst idea ever. Don't, but the thing is, um, effort. So the, the will to do something is one of those three pillars. So it is possible to hop into a problem, to crash in, to, to like Kool-Aid man into that with something like that. And the thing is, it's, it's dangerous. Um, and you don't necessarily need to burn that hot. You don't necessarily need to have that high effort for all of the experience of losing weight. You can open with that and then moderate it down. Right. So what a lot of people do is they, they, they crash into a diet and they try to maintain that. And maybe what they should do is they crash into that diet and then go from that diet to halfway back to normal or 80% back to normal, just ease themselves, themselves off as opposed to maintaining that one wacky diet for the, until they expect results. Cause most of the time that's not going to happen because it takes a surprising amount of time, even with a crash course diet. Um, and more, you can't sustain, well, not very many people can sustain the level of attitude necessary to, to pursue something extreme. And often your body just can't put up with it for longer than your, your will. Um, so you, you might, you might break into something, you might have a, a, a the epiphany and the life-changing experience, but you might not be able to maintain that for very long and you need to recognize that. It's very much like my previous, um, when I spoke earlier in a previous show on like, like studying or effort, like you might be well-rested when you go into study. So you might think of yourself as being 100% capable of it, but you'll get tired over time, obviously, but you get tired over time and it's like a mental exhaustion. It's not your physical exhaustion. So you might have, you know, 16 hours of your day to study with, 
But if you just try to study for 16 hours, your efficacy might start at 100%, but it'll it'll crash. And it's kind of like that with a with a diet where you might start at a you might push yourself, you might drive yourself hard and start at that 100%. But if you keep just trying with that same method, you'll burn out just like your your mind gets tired when studying. So it's this big, it's this graph that starts nice and high and crashes hard. But if on something like a diet, you were to only do it intermittently, or more importantly, if you start, if you start strong because you're motivated, and then as your motivation declines, which is normal, you switch to something else. You moderate it. You your you only do the extreme workout once a week. You don't try to do it every day. And maybe you only do it once a week, and then you do maybe a little bit of a gentle workout every other day. And or maybe maybe that's too much. And you try it try it once and you do it every once in a while and you only kind of do a little bit of working out five times a week. And like you you find the rest and then you build from that rest period up a little bit. And then so just like studying, you'd, you'd start at 100%, you get a little tired, go take a break. Five minutes, maybe no more. Come back to, to study. You won't be 100% because your day has continued and you will eventually grow weary physically and need to sleep. So you're not going to be 100% anyway. But in terms of efficacy for studying, so you might come back after five minutes and maybe you'll be in 90%, maybe less. But if you take another five minute break after a while, you know, instead of just this full on off a cliff crash of efficacy, you would come back and you'd be pretty good and then pretty good. And so overall, even though you're taking breaks, you would do quite well over the long run, be way better. Plus, you don't want to study um, while tired because the frame of mind that you have when you're studying, um, your mind will soak in that, that whatever you do, whatever does stick will also be associated paired with the particular mood that you were in, the state that you were in. And that's, that tends to not be the state that you're in when you're actually going for like an exam or something like that. So you might have a, you sit down at exam and, and you, draw a complete blank. And this is exactly why that happens. It's you're drawing a blank because you didn't study in an environment that you're now reproducing. You didn't study with that level of wakefulness with what all you're studying was sitting up in bed in the middle of the night. And that doesn't map over to sitting in a classroom. Right? So um that so that's that's studying and there's an equivalent for working out, which is if if you have an environment where you are motivated and it's it's at a gym it's in a class something like this and you're high effort like there's you don't have that when you're at home just and you're trying to do something in a home gym or you're trying to do whatever the heck you don't have that kind of motivation that social environment that however it works for you so that motivation is basically gone and so a person would have to for for a physical endeavor have a plan for 
if they if they push that 100% um, to switch over to something else. So you would start with this, whatever that drug was that messes with your metabolism. And maybe that would be a good idea for a little while. Uh, but if you maintain it, you're going to die. Um, so you might start with that, see some results and use that as motivation, but you would switch to um, a reasonable diet or something like that. Or not not too reasonable, but you'd make one change. Like um, you no longer eat at McDonald's, right? Maybe you have a vice that you can get rid of. Um, maybe it's not not like your main vice. Maybe it's something else, right? Maybe you can make a little switch. It's like switching to decaf or something like that. If if caffeine's a problem for you because of problems with wakefulness or attention or whatever, um, and and it's well, you can't have caffeine anymore. Well, um, that may be true, and you might be able to do that. But maybe the the experience of coffee you can't get rid of right away. It's like people that want to uh, give up smoking. Some people effectively do it by by just dropping it. Like if you become a parent, it, it, suddenly it becomes really easy to stop smoking. <laughs> and a lot of people have that as their motivation. It just happens and it's done. New chapter of your life, you're done. And this, this isn't so easy for a lot of other people. So what they might do is they might, they might actually be able to, to do less smoking. And if they do less smoking or if they do no smoking, if they have that... It, it's willpower isn't the right thing to right kind of idea to use with something like smoking um, because addictions are complicated but a a smoker might do something like have something to fiddle with because there's all kinds of associations with a cigarette with using a hand so they might switch to chewing gum or they might they might need different tactics if they're having a meal because some people associate smoking with their meal it's the thing it's the thing that they do after or with hanging out outside drinking a coffee that that there's all kinds of other stuff that they might have to to map differently kind of like the decaf coffee thing a person might need to have something hot that tastes more or less like coffee and that would be that would be the substitute that they would use and uh so some people they they wouldn't necessarily cut out all of their bad eating habits not right away they might have a substitute in there so some people they'd say okay well um instead of going and eating muffins make your own okay which is a which is a great start already because you're controlling a bunch of other subtle things in there and maybe you can make something that you like more or maybe the experience of baking is really it ends up being really your thing which is wonderful to discover because you don't want your path to be hell you don't want i, I said this last time last show you don't want you don't want the experience of going from where you are to what you want you don't want the path to be difficult not necessarily. You don't want to realize the reward at the end because you don't necessarily know what the end is going to be like. And the end might not turn out to be worth all the suffering you went through. You want maybe stages. If, if that's what you can pull off, then do stages. Like have scheduled times where you pause and you revisit the accomplishments, the efforts, the risk reward of what you've been doing since last audit so like a lot of businesses will do this 
every every well quarterly really um so and it depends some projects will do this every x amount of time depending on depending on the methods they use for organizing their stuff which is a totally like software development and stuff like that is has a whole lot of interesting things attached to it um but for something like a diet you want to have the experience of doing it have feedback have rewards tiny bits of encouragement not from like you going and get getting pats on the head from the people around you but you want the actual thing itself to itself be rewarding so you don't want to look at a scale and see the scale being the thing that tells you how well you're doing you want something else within yourself do that so the muffin example is perfect like if you change going out to eat with cooking with staying in and doing something like that the experience of doing that of baking or of cooking or whatever might actually be itself a very rewarding thing and so you've you've accomplished a little bit of the control over diet in that case and you've you've been rewarded simultaneously doing it being along the path has already given you something and so you're not waiting until the very you're not constantly pinching your gut and looking at a scale and stuff like that which i mean if you're if you're 100 pounds overweight let's say which which describes an unfortunate number of people and you think in your mind that success is when you're zero pounds overweight you're going to be suffering from now until then it's bad some people can set goals they set goals of x x number a month or something like that which is better but even that's stupid because most people don't understand weight um oh i'll go down that road if you want to lose weight you have to gain weight and most people don't understand what that like that's actually true so if you're uh fairly overweight let, let's just take that as an example whatever that means um you want to gain muscle mass and and that's weight you want to do that because one of the one of the many many things that's happening is you want your resting caloric consumption so the amount of calories your body burns just so you don't die uh, so you, simply some people throw around um, 2000 calories a day um, so and if you have if you build more muscle mass that requirement that number goes up and so your body will naturally uh, consume more calories just by you living existing while you sleep and so you you would actually want to put on weight preferably like a significant amount and and the thing is as you're putting on that muscle mass you're you might actually find a balance you, you might end up burning some fat while you're gaining the muscle mass i know a guy he put on no joke he put on 20 pounds of muscle and that's crazy and i'm looking at he made a couple of videos of him doing and him being in the gym and he the the means that he used for this is what's the term is just deadlifting stuff just hard hard weights and he didn't and and 
like bodybuilder type stuff is what he pursued and he really put on muscle and he wasn't necessarily pursuing anything else that did anything for fat but he was working on the muscle thing and the muscle thing while pursuing it burned fat and in having it also consumed calories which is a threat to how much fat you have um it's never that easy so yeah uh, it's it's too many too many people will pursue a thing and not have tiny bits of reward on the way so say for example you want to save money if you have a credit card debt you're you're broke until you can pay off at least that debt you're you have a serious problem because um like taxes there is a kind of slavery attached to your existence uh, if you've got a credit card debt there's just another bill but you get nothing out of it and so if you want to pay off a credit card debt, you the reasoning is well you would stop spending money and you would put all of your money towards that credit card and that would work but that's kind of like having a crash diet it works if you just stop eating the junk food but the problem is maintaining that level of effort is is challenging and there's still the problem of having little rewards and feedback and stuff like that so in a diet cheat days are a thing and if you schedule the cheat days so you can look forward to them and that helps toughen you out so if it's like if you get to have a slice of whatever the heck on friday and or that's kind of an extreme example you can look forward to that on thursday without breaking down and cheating on thursday you can look you can that extra day is there and theoretically speaking you can make that portion smaller or push that portion away a little bit further when you gain the the fortitude to do that now there is an equivalent for money which is you might have money and be paying down a credit card but fun costs money for a lot of people and so if if fun is what got you into debt in the first place which is usually the case fun might be going and eating out you do that even one that's 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 a waste of money it's always a waste of money when you can cook it yourself but it's there's there's reasons you're going with friends or right you bought popcorn at the theater or something like that but it was it's little by little a waste and you could imagine if you cut out 100 of all that that and you can put that towards your debt that that's that's the way you should do it that's technically not the way you should do it what what you should do is map out your sources of income and your costs and all that kind of stuff and know exactly what you're putting into your your card or paying off your student loan or your car payments or your home payments you know everything and then have a specific purse set aside with a specific amount and that money gets you are allowed to spend that money not when it comes in but at the end of the month let's say for a lot of people it will be the end of the week and so you would have a you would have that it's not exactly pocket change but if you normally let's say buy lunch every day and it's ten dollars a day you know middle of work and you go you go and buy a sandwich or something like that and it costs money well what you could do is you could you could say well i'm not gonna do that anymore and i'm gonna save ten dollars a day you know i'm gonna save fifty dollars a week 
And you can start thinking in terms of that. It's like, well, fifty dollars a week, really? Two hundred dollars a month? I've been spending on that. And you might think, okay, well, I'll stop doing that. Now I'll, I'll have that, and I'll spend it towards my my debt, and that would work. But what you could do is you could set things up so that you're not not buying the you're not buying lunch. Like you do something else instead, which still costs money, but it costs less than that. Make, cooking from home still costs money because food costs money. And then, but pocket it and put it towards a purse at the end of the week. So you would have, maybe you would half your cost, probably a lot less, by making lunch at home. And, but you would take some of that, that savings and you'll put that towards your end of the week thing. And then, you know, so maybe you spend $20 a week on making lunches, pasta or something like that, whatever, whatever works and make your own sandwiches at home. And, but you also have $20 that you set aside at the end of the week. So you're spending $40 a week instead of 50. But you get that 20 as one big lump, as one reward, and it's really significant. And maybe, maybe even that, you would leave it like that and you would make a choice that day as to whether or not you would put that money into your, against your debt. Because maybe when you literally have it in your hand, you can say, well, you know, I don't really have plans this weekend. I don't want to go out to eat. I, I don't, I'm not, don't really need to do anything with this money. And this, and you could think to yourself, because you've learned this, well, that represents another $20 a week. That represents another $80 a month that I could be putting towards my debt, right? So from zero going towards your debt to $10 a week going towards your debt to, to the choice of you making it quite a lot larger, depending on what your mood is. It's the tiny bits of reward that are the allowances or the cheat days that are allowed and that are cooked into your plan for something like a debt or something like a diet or, I mean, even something like studying, right? If you have a scheduled break to look forward to, then you can push through, then you can keep your concentration for longer, knowing that a particular time is coming up for you to take a break for lunch or for you to go and have a shower and and switch to another course load to study instead or or in the particular case of this show in the next couple of minutes we're coming up on a known break so i was actually able to push and have concentration for the amount of time i had which was 15 minutes knowing that i had a very specific spot where i could pause and a very specific length of time where i can take a break and so yeah, we're going to take a break right now for about 10 minutes and we're going to be back. Well, I am back. Okay, so what I want to talk about is, uh, so we're going to go through a bunch of stuff really fairly quick. Because I think we're going to call it for this last segment because Minion is getting tired and we don't have the ability to stop this stream without his help. So <laughs> do we want like, I could go for eight hours and not know how how to stop. So so first, I talked about um, there being a May 2020 update for Windows 10, and I went and I decided to look into just a little bit more. 
and uh and it turns out that it has a laundry list of known problems okay microsoft has actually admitted to this stuff which is really surprising so they actually have a very detailed list of what's wrong and what the status is if it's been resolved or not and at what stage of investigation it's at and it's rather impressive and so what ended up happening is it was determined that my particular version of windows 10 which is rather strange so my particular version with its combination of drivers let's say um had uh, potential problems if it was updated so some people were getting blue screens and were unable to start back up again this kind of stuff well that was the reason so yeah so microsoft just looked at my stuff went no no we're not even going to offer it to you so i'm still looking at the list and stuff is mostly solved and they're estimating that it'll be available um middle of this month so middle of august and it's not that i'm excited for that or anything like that but i mean keeping things up to date is kind of cool and i'm still kind of waiting for this there's a media update that's going to come so sooner or later. blue screens and such are on their end not my end are you are you getting startup blue screens oh startup blue screens no I mean, in general, blue screens are always Microsoft's fault because that's, that's how I'm things work. Blue screens whenever I'm playing a certain game, but that's it. Uh, that may well be actually because that is a noted problem. Are you using an NVIDIA GPU? GPU? Yes. yes. Graphics card. Okay. Uh, check your uh, version because version below 358.00 have have issues. Um, and that, so the problem was solved at NVIDIA's end, not at the Windows end. And I think that's the one where it was specific with certain games. So it's, that was, that was one of the big ones. 451.67. Okay. So I don't know, no idea, which is strange. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go through the list, but so this this was presumably affecting me, but and they were just being cautious, which is fine. Security and stuff like that is is pushed through. This is other random doodads. I don't know that I would even call any of those things improvements features. So the next thing I want to talk about is um, <laughs> I'm. I'm browsing through old bookmarks and songs and stuff like that. And so I've got this one. And this is um, a song by a band called Breakbot called Baby I'm Yours. And I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a fine song. And I looked at it like, wow, this is a, a popular for some reason. And there's probably, I mean, maybe it was featured on some TV show or whatever. I don't care. But uh, what's weird about it is... Is it had a hundred and twelve thousand comments, and uh, I find that rather comical. I mean, it's a music video. What's there to comment on? There's always going to be somebody that includes the lyrics or somebody that's got some bit of trivia. Fine, that's wonderful. <laughs> okay, uh, I can look that stuff up elsewhere. 
but fine, post it there. There's other people that are going to use the, the do the useless thing like they do on bug reports, which is, I like this. <laughs> this is a great song. Then you're going to get the people that say, who's here in 2012? And et cetera, et cetera. It's just ridiculous. But, but 112,000. That's unbelievable. So yeah, that was, that was a weird thing to experience. Um, I want to briefly mention mention uh, sleep. So one of the things is apparently my sense of smell wakes me up pretty easily. So I've been woken up in the past by uh, rice being cooked, so boiled, and onions and in like a stew, in a soup type of thing. And both are are quite strong smells and they're like onion will change a dish it's really important and rice is just a staple rice has a really really nutty smell to it depends on the rice but this is like boring white rice or something and the reason that it woke me up is is that these are these are not unpleasant smells or anything like that but they're absolutely food smells like they're they're food make you hungry smells and I had the air conditioning go, going on. I slept in. Um, I, am, I had overtime yesterday and the day before, so I wasn't really sleeping properly or anything like that. So this morning, I, well, this afternoon, I got woken up uh, by, by another rice smell. And that's because the air conditioning had kicked on by that time. And it was, it was recycling all the air in the, the house. And there's an air intake, right, or two in the kitchen, right? And so it was sucking in some of that air and recycling it around. And I was sensitive enough, because I was sleeping-ish, um, that it, it eventually blew into my bedroom. And because of the arrangement of the room, air pressure being what it is, it's not like it's cycled on through or anything like that. It kind of stuck in here. And it, and it woke me up, which is a strange way to get woken up. Um, I don't know that I would like being woken up by any smell, even if I normally think it's pleasant, just because of the way um, my sense of smell must work when I'm trying to sleep. It's very distracting. So yeah, that's something to mention. The other thing is, um, I so I'm going to talk about water again, because I had mentioned it before. I had talked about the Canada being a very water-rich place, but that not necessarily mattering because of the problem is distribution and and local amounts of it. And uh, one of the interesting problems that you might have in your region, I know I know of places where this is a significant enough issue that that it got brought up, is a lot of places they don't have a reservoir for water where they. They draw from that reservoir up into filtration systems, purification, and then push it into the pipes. And then it gets used, it gets flushed, and it comes back out to one stage of purification, maybe a couple, depending on how things work. And it eventually finds itself getting deposited back into some reservoir. And that is so that, and that's because there, there is variation in how much water gets used and how much filtration can be done at any particular moment and stuff like that that's like an outdoor thing and the the thing is this is this is a loop but that loop doesn't necessarily have to be 
artificial. What some places do is they dump it out into a lake and then they suck it up from the lake. Um, and, uh, well, one of the problems is you're using, you're using lake water. So you're actually lowering lake water. You're lowering the water level of that resource. And I've talked about the Florida problem of them being really dumb about how they use water and problems of paving everything over and stuff like that. And in the case of using a lake, the fascinating thing is for any population, you're going to have some people that, that, have, that are on some kind of medication. And I don't know that this necessarily applies to your, if you're taking like a multivitamin or something like this, but not a hundred percent of that is actually consumed by the body. And so some of that actually gets urinated back out again. And in what form depends on the medication and what happens when it's in that system depends on the medication its interaction with other things that are also being flushed is a an unknowable thing and if it gets purified or not well it's not going to get purified because the purification process isn't like reverse osmosis or anything like that it's a pretty straightforward pretty simple level of purification and then it gets dumped into a lake so that means that the stuff from people's medication is actually eventually finding its way flushed into a lake now that means that you've got some lingering level of stuff. And we can generically use the term toxin. Well, some foreign agent it gets put in there. That influences the wildlife. We don't know, right? There's some medication that's going to have been tested on animals. Whether or not you like it, it, it has been done on the components or it is being done on some stuff. That's that's kind of important and some of it gets experimented on with humans which is a another topic to talk about boy is that going to be relevant for for today's environment and eventually gets taken back up again if it's a closed reservoir system this is obvious it gets pulled back up again and it gets filtered again right purified again and it gets put into the pipes and then it's in your tap water now What's the level of what and how did it transform by the time it gets to you? Does any? Some will. This has been tested. That's why I know about it. Okay. So some of it gets to you drinking it out of your tap. Some of it gets to you showering in it. Now, how much does what to you? Don't know. But the stuff is there. And the thing is, the stuff that might survive that process might survive another round. So you might drink it, you might pee it back out again. It might do stuff to your body, et cetera, like the cycle continues. And it actually might find itself getting more and more concentrated over time because it's, if it doesn't make it through you. And some people might be more or less vulnerable to it. And, and it's one of those problems of civilization that people don't really think about people don't really think about certain consequences to doing certain things and so it turns out that there is a consequence to taking birth control pills for example that is cited as the major thing that also gets 
that influences water. And so you've got that kind of, of the, the remnants of that gets flushed out into your local lake and your fish are subject to it. And what that does to your wildlife in general, to your fish, which are more vulnerable, let's say, well, it will it influence fertility, for example? Well, do we know? Has, has that been studied? Have people been thinking about that? Not really, because the science for a medication happens in a totally different environment. And it, the science is done in terms of side effects to a human, direct dosage, stuff like that. There is no thinking about how it works in an environment in general, in the water system, in nature. So it's, it's a really weird, unsolved problem that's interesting. If you ever want to have a combination of degrees in, in like the, the, it's not the psychiatry, which is the, the, the administration of the medication itself, but there's the, the life sciences that would go into developing and understanding the medications, like at the technical side of things, if you wanted to look into that and somehow have some other environmental facing knowledge um, either with water treatment say that would be a great one to do you'd understand the mechanics of how the medication happens and maybe happens in the body maybe gets out of the body and you'd understand how water filtration works to be able to make the argument that goes that stuff does this it does not get filtered and be able to do the you know do the science That'll get you, that'll get you a couple, that'll get you hated, which is usually, you know, you know, you're on the right track if, if you get some flack for doing that kind of thing, doing that kind of research. Um, or you could push one of those out a little bit more, like you can study fish and the influence of a particular chemical on fish and then go, this chemical comes from here, if, stuff like that. So people have studied, for example, um, fertilizer runoff from farming and its influence on the ecosystem and it's really significant like um the nitrogen um, the phosphates and stuff like that that might get washed into a waterway are actually a major impact on the let's call it the fertility of of some of the life that's in there some of the lower levels of life so you'll get blossoms you get blooms of uh, not bacteria what's the what's the term like algae and that in that water. has a very significant sorry yeah it's algae in water yeah so you get algae blooms because of stuff like this and that that has uh, that has side effects and so uh, people study that kind of thing but people haven't quite done the studies of human medication impact on water in the same way so that's something I wanted to, to bring up. I don't know that I can go any further on that particular topic in the future, and it's not something that necessarily interests me. But that's one of the, that's not really one of the reasons why I like bottled water. I mean, by bottled water, I don't mean tap water that's been bottled in Italy. I mean, uh, water that's been purified locally, that's reverse osmosis or something like that, like proper pure water. I like that stuff for taste, but if, if you need another motivation 
to drink water from that as a source, and I know people that have cooked with that water, it's not that expensive. If you need a reason to pursue that, the medication thing is also an interesting thing to 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 think about, right? Whether or not it's a problem where you are, who knows? Whether or not it's a problem in general, who knows? It's a it's annoying. Um, next, I want to talk about um, Minion. Your your awful awful sleep habits. I did make a make a note that said um, maybe maybe it isn't that you're necessarily nocturnal because. Uh, what a person who's nocturnal will tend to do is they have the, a great ability to push themselves while they're awake to stay up later. And so if you've got something to do, you might, you're uh, a, a night owl is more able to easily stay up later. And so in theory, what a night owl of some extreme would be able to do is, is day one, they'd stay up a little bit later than they ought to day two they stay up even later and then they sleep in even later day three sleep in even more wake up even later and so the day cycle might just get shifted and shifted and shifted this happens when people are slovenly and useless and have no requirements for life and don't have alarm clocks or hard responsibilities and stuff like that so they just sleep and sleep and sleep and the problem is when they have plans it's like being jet lagged. You kind of have to figure things out. You have to either stay up really late and just get wrecked. And often what will happen with a person that's relatively unscheduled like that is stuff happens kind of last second. And it gets, it's really hard. So every event that occurs that would disrupt that cycle happens really quick. And that, that's just a, that's a morale wrecker. So it's the entire lifestyle ends up being wrecked from the way it works and wrecked from the outside. And uh, I had mentioned that that might be the case. It's very likely the case with a lot of people. But it might also be that I, I had heard, and I don't know if this, this is true. Uh, I don't really want to look it up because I want to believe that uh, if a human is removed from sunlight and given, and, and given freedom and how, how their day-night cycle works, they're measured as though they have a 25 hour day, which is the same on Mars. So make of that as you wish, because that's always a, that's a cute thought to go down. So maybe it's possible that somebody like a night owl might actually be tuned to have a day that hopes for 25 hours instead of our 24 hours. And so they're, they're constantly staying up because they're not tired yet they end up pushing for later and then having obligations that kick them out of bed. I've talked about obligations and why more and more people ought to try being a, a morning lark instead of a night owl. But it's very possible that somebody who's constantly stretching out their bedtime, pushing it forward, and then just constantly sleeping in, how they might actually be somehow tuned towards biologically a, a longer, a longer day-night cycle of 25 hours instead, or something like that, right? Um, I think it's just, uh, it comes down to having the kinds of, of hard obligations from like employment or some kind of regular plans that forces a person to line their schedule up. It's kind of like the reward at the end of the week when I was talking about the lunch thing, which is if you know when your plans are easing from whatever 
whatever terrible schedule you have now into a schedule that that lets you be good on your word for an obligation if you got that time you can shift over gently and that that obligation isn't painful to to fulfill and so this is something and and the problem is if you if a person has a lifestyle that's already busted enough to let them do whatever they want with their schedule and they just keep pushing it around that lifestyle lifestyle doesn't normally have interruptions that are something that you can plan for it has obligations that are immediate it has emergencies and you can't live can't live like that and have emergencies come up because they'll always suck always 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 um i do have a bunch of notes so next one is i want to talk about i think of it in terms of i call it military digestion and it's this effect which i have encouraged and i will i will reinforce via thinking about it where if i eat i need to use the bathroom right away as soon as i'm done eating and it happens it's it is always and it's not always number 2 it's usually peeing so i'll go and i'll eat maybe i'll drink a little bit maybe i won't i have hydration issues so i try to try to drink and then i will always need to use the bathroom right after the meal so i do i do that and i have the 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 entire affair which is i brush my teeth right after i eat i've talked about the need to do that as well and so i i I find it rather fascinating that it is a thing that i haven't really done on purpose on purpose not for a reason but it's really handy and it's predictable and it's nice to have and since i'm already since i already ought to be in the bathroom that gives me a biological reason it forces me into the bathroom i could i could ignore it i could hold on to it if i really wanted to but may as well not and since since that's a a biological push i may as well brush my teeth as well right um i may as well do whatever floss or you know fix my you know wash or maybe that's the that's an additional excuse that leads me into making it okay to have a shower so a lot of people you you'd have your morning maybe you'd have a break or two depending on what you're doing you'd have your afternoon you'd get hungry a biological thing you'd go you'd stop you'd have leftovers or you'd cook or you'd you'd eat and then i would be pushed biologically some more into going and using the bathroom may as well brush my teeth while i'm in there i may as well shower and that shower ends up being a break from my morning to my afternoon it it lets the all the experience of taking my time for eating cooking or whatever and the experience of being in the bathroom and using the shower it cleans me and it's a all of that is a big meditative thing that lets me forget my morning and do stuff in the afternoon i could return to the same stuff from the morning and it was though like I'm, I'm more fresh and so it's an excuse that leads into showers and stuff which is really nice uh unfortunately it also happens when not unfortunately i mean it it makes me brush my teeth but it also happens when i go have a snack which is which is i don't know i like it it's kind of interesting and i call it military digestion because i've known military men where yeah you that's when you have the opportunity to use the bathroom when you're kind of on break and you're eating is that's that's when you have time that's the only time you have time and so they've just they've learned to do that 
just like if if they're in certain circumstances they they gain the superpower of being able to sleep when there is time not when they want to not not necessarily when they're tired it's just and some people will just zonk out it's the 15 minute nap over there when you know thing when, when they're sitting and waiting to be moved to the next location they'll they'll crash they'll be asleep um which man that must be nice slash a strange thing to have uh, i knew a guy that was like that and he could sleep with his eyes open which is why how that's it was it was kind of odd it was it was very strange and so we never knew if he was just like resting or if he was messing with us or if he was asleep or because he could he would wake up right away if under the right circumstance so if you poked him it was as though he was always awake because he could react that fast um so yeah it's he was an interesting guy so i do because i i completely forgot it's it's a food related thing that i want to finish up and this i think we're going to call it in the next 25 minutes or so just to have a short day just because minion's tired so i'll be quick and it was it's talking about diet i'll have to bring all this stuff up again in the future as i go through it as i go through my entire program uh which is uh if you if you have if you have weight because you're overeating because that's providing the energy and you want to reduce number of calories you could continue your life the way it is but what you do is you always leave food on your plate you always don't eat that last little bit and if it's a couple of fries or something like that then then that's what you you intentionally leave it on your plate and know and look at it and recognize it as something you're doing on purpose that you're choosing to do now those are calories that you you shouldn't have had in the first place that you don't want it's probably not good enough to actually change your caloric intake to change your weight or anything like that this is a trick of psychology and the thing is a lot of people will look at that and say well wow you're wasting food think of all the starving children in africa um and we kind of joke about that phrase but that was an actual phrase that was that has some background to it um and the thing is the food that you're leaving on your plate even though you're going to throw it out this is not leftovers you're going to throw it away um i don't know that leftovers are appropriate for a lot of circumstances so maybe i should say yes leftovers um now the fact that you're pushing it away that you're not eating it that you're maybe throwing it away it's not wasteful and the reason it's not actually wasteful is because normally what you would do or what you would want to do so first normally you would need to burn it off those are extra calories that you're consuming that you would just have to work out that you would have to you'd have to deal with those calories so may as well just not do that not not make that problem in the first place you don't have to deal with it later it's just it's removing it from the source or you're turning into fat it's not useful anyway to eat right so if you if you don't burn it off it'll stick to you maybe that's not actually how food and fat works but uh, that's a more complicated topic for another day or you're just shitting it out which i mean why 
why having why did you eat it in the first place i just to feel a little bloated you know if you don't feel full when you're eating um you should be eating your meat first uh and you should be eating slower and maybe drinking more water maybe drinking more water between snacks and stuff like that will really really help so that food on your plate that you think you're throwing away and wasting it was already wasted when you served it to yourself and that's the thing you need to learn to do is to serve yourself less one of the tricks is having a smaller plate and it always makes the food look more bountiful so if and this is one of the things if if you don't have if you want to not deal with the psychology um and you have the money then you just buy a couple of new plates right and, and that that's what you, if you have to buy a new frying pan that's smaller than your old one so that you're you're only doing one por- like one normal person's portion worth of whatever instead of having a big pan and feeling kind of sad that you're only cooking a little thing on one big pan then you know you buy those things and you have smaller cups for your juice or you whatever right you you can solve this problem through certain tricks of perception um next is i forgot to talk about this but i had i had mentioned how i'm getting really annoyed at having black everything black electronics my keyboard my monitor my desk my everything everything because i have ashy skin and what that is is that's a that's dry skin because i don't particularly loofah in the shower often enough so i could actually rake my nails over my skin like my forearm and it'll it'll come away with with white claw marks because the skin is actually pulling off so i'm actually a dusty person so there's dust all over all my electronics always and so it's kind of like serving yourself too much food it's i'm actually creating this ashy dusty environment that's settled on all my stuff that i constantly have to microfiber cloth off which i'm lazy about so technically speaking if i wanted to save that effort later the the wiping effort i should be using a scrub brush or whatever the heck in the shower and maybe that's something i can improve on because that's the experience of having a shower might be altered by that it might be a a better experience i i just find it annoying and kind of a waste of time um i I guess i need to get one of these uh sea sponges on a stick or whatever the heck and maybe maybe a traditional like wooden grip wooden handled scrub thing something like that and and use that and even if it's just like my arms maybe that's enough um next um i'm getting a new phone and i i had bought a phone an android because i'm not insane and i bought a new phone a while ago kind of as an experiment to understand the technology because i'm getting old and this technology this is the the idea of a phone that is a computer is an idea that i knew about that i was familiar with Uh, the tech is not interesting at all to me uh, but the operating environments and the software and stuff like that and why people care about their phones that was all intriguing at the time so and this was a while back and i got i got a phone i thought i was making getting a great deal on the phone but it turns out you can buy a terrible cheap phone from walmart for next to nothing so maybe i should have done that but i didn't again i wanted to get into this to to learn all this stuff and it turns out I, when you're learning something new 
you end up learning it the hard way, whether or not you really want to. And so I did that as my experience of, of learning a whole lot of stuff. I ended up learning a whole lot of stuff the hard way. And uh, phones are dumb. They're terrible. Uh, it's, it's just an awful environment. And yeah, I could do better. I could actually sit down and I could sketch out how the interface could be improved, how software can be improved. There's a whole bunch of fundamentals that are just badly done. So for example, it took me forever just to figure out how to get a notepad working. You know, you have to get a keyboard working. Well, how do you cursor up and down with your, your virtual keyboard? A lot of people, you can't. So you have to install some keyboard replacement. So I have to go and, go and do that. And for a notepad replacement, well, how do you open more than one text file at a time? Well, maybe you have a special note taker, right? So I, I found a proper editor for that that lets me do that. Well, how do I have it save text files that are just normal text files and not in some weird note format? How do I specify the locations of all those files without having to move them all in one place? How do I have a file system viewer that will give me proper information in nice lists that will let me browse through my SD card, for example, because I don't want, I want things on my SD card so I can back them up easier so I can move it out. I can pull the thing. Well, how, 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 how? And so the getting a phone actually exploded into a set of problems that I needed to chip away at. So there's, there was a lot of stuff to learn and there was a lot of, like, I, it makes no sense because this is a full computer and there have been efforts in the past to just have your phone plugged into a dock and use a big monitoring keyboard on it and just have like, it's a, it is a computer, literally it's a computer. It's, it's maybe phones are now getting to the point where they're, they're like terrible laptops. They're going to be better than these uh, tablets and stuff like that. Uh, but they're, they're pretty good. And this is, super ridiculously advanced technology compared to five years ago, even. So I'm getting a new phone and I make a point of never getting the, the latest and greatest. And in fact, you shouldn't, you should never do that unless there's some very specific reason. And because your friends have rich parents and they got something cool that they're showing off constantly, that's not a good excuse for, for you to pursue something, um, for, for you to get, insist on a birthday present of an iPhone or whatever the heck. Um, sometimes the price of things are increased, are high, not because the item is expensive to make, uh, but because it's not because it's high quality even, but because you have the perception that something must be expensive for a reason. And you fill in that blank with, well, it must be expensive because it's good, because it's high quality, because it's whatever the heck. So there's an entire class of products that have, that maybe have some luxury components, but they have just enough, enough luxury components for the, to hide the rest of the, the knockoff garbage that's in it, like everything else. And the really terrible price is to convince people that it's higher quality. So you get to feel good about yourself carrying around a thousand dollar phone, for example. You shouldn't do that. You should be using pre the generation behind or two generations behind, depending on what your needs are. Your needs will be met by average stuff in, in everything. Your needs are going to be met. Like you don't need to live in a mansion, even if you could afford a mansion. 
You could live in something a little smaller, a little bit more humble. No problem. It's You save a lot of the money and a lot of the maintenance and stuff. So no, I'm not going to buy Apple, for example, because that's their entire shtick, is tricking people by making things expensive and playing pretend like you're getting something great. Um, and then selling you just enough by having their walled garden of software, having their user experience being being at what it is to convince you that you've you've actually gotten reward for your money. Um, and Apple's actually gone well out of the way to to they actually do fabrication of the the CPUs that are in their phones, and they've done a whole lot of, of stuff that's that's actually really, really good that I could talk about. But in general, I just don't like Apple. So the their advances are not good enough excuses for me. So I got this phone, but it's not top of the line. And it's not top of the line. And I, I got it because it's, and I actually got the, it's the more expensive version of all the other phones that I was looking at. And I was looking at them. I, it had a nice color. I wanted a phone with some color on it see the previous uh, rant about black electronics. So I decided to get something with a little color on it. It turns out if, that if you're going to be using a case, it doesn't really matter what color your phone is, which I'm just not going to use a case with this thing because I don't really care. Um, although maybe the thing is it's got a curved screen, so getting a um, these these dumb small bezel curved screens are just dumb. and it means you can't, I couldn't put a, uh, it like gorilla glass plate or something on it. It would have to be uh, just a couple of millimeters away from the edges so that it, cause it can't curve necessarily. Now maybe I can get something professionally applied, but I mean, I'm, the phone that I have now, it's not like the screen has been particularly scratched up and it's not like I can tell or anything. And this screen is, is better. So you know whatever and it's interesting because i mean looking at these feet the features on this phone is it's way way better than my current phone like i'm looking at the specs going oh wow it's it's one of these phones that has four cameras <laughs> four cameras on one side and one on the other like because i i have actually kept an old quote-unquote old camera it's a regular digital camera and it's interesting because it's waterproof and it's got an optical zoom. It actually has a little, um, little literal mechanical uh, set of optics that, that acts as a telephoto lens built into itself and it's all sealed. And, but it, it's five megapixels. And the thing is five meg megapixels is amazing because that's way bigger than my monitor can display. And that's my my measurement for quality for images. And so this phone, I'm looking at this phone going, well, it's got a five megapixel camera. It's a depth camera, whatever that is. And it's got a, a macro camera and that's five megapixel. Well, macro is pretty good. I mean, usually that's a mode you have to go into, but this is a separate lens. And it's got an ultra wide angle, 120 degrees, which I wouldn't call it ultra angle at all. It's 170, yes, 120, no. Um, but that's 13 megapixels. That's kind of crazy. And I guess it needs to be that because it's such a large area. Okay, that's awesome. And then its main camera is, is 48 megapixels. <laughs> like, what? I, that's, 
I mean, <laughs> I'm a time traveler from the 70s. So a lot of this technology is just astonishing. <laughs> what what are you going to do with that many megapixels? I can't see in HD. So what is, what is this even? I guess now I can take pictures, like bad pictures of stuff, and I can print them and print them as posters. <laughs> and then I can look at them with magnifying glasses and it would be perfect quality. And it's got a bunch of features that I don't think I'm going to need really that I'm going to have there that are nice. So for example, it has a really interesting, and I don't know that my existing open camera software would use it all. So I'd have to use their stuff. And it has a really interesting way of using all of the, uh, the lenses at the same time. So all the cameras are going simultaneously. And this is part of why it has a second processor in it. Um, so it's got a separate second. Uh, it's not a graphics processor, but it's got a second lesser CPU in it, second quad core. And so it calls itself an octa-core, right? And it's, oh, I've got four core. I've got eight cores, but it's got two CPUs, each with four cores. Um, not that that's unimpressive. That's really good. And what, what it can do with its filming is it can actually seamlessly transition without transitioning, just seamlessly um, make primary a different lens, depending on what you're looking at. So if you're not set to wide angle, so that lens is not going to really do anything other than maybe be a reference camera. Uh, but what it can do is actually go up, it can... And I might use this for my gardening, for example. So I could be out there and you could see the, the regular view of stuff and I could walk closer and it would automatically, as though it were the same camera, transition into using a specialized macro camera. And it'll just autofocus into that. And so the idea of having this now massive breadth of, of focusability with no I, no notion of having to switch to a macro mode of just being able to in and out easily and it'll just tra it'll transition perfectly that's that's really interesting and it's got some night mode stuff which is what really sold me on this camera it's got some enhanced night mode stuff so that that I will have less grain which would be really nice cuz that would have been valuable a couple times when I was doing night filming um and so you know, poor lighting would be a really good thing and and that's just that i mean it's the, the the downside is that this camera costs uh less it costs less but i'm getting a slightly lesser screen than something that is three times more expensive so it's 250 dollars so in american that's well 260 uh us dollars what is that like 200 220 something like that so that's actually that's moderate. There's a lot cheaper than this, but this one, of all things, comes with a stupid, stupid good battery. The battery is sixty-one fifty. Uh, sixty-one fifty milliamp hours is like double the next the next one over, right? So most phones are going to be a lot less than that, and it does eighteen watt fast charging, which is crazy. But the thing is, um, that comes with a requisite weight, which I don't, I don't know that I mind because you know, I'm manly man and it's actually nice to have substance in my phone. I might regret that 
uh, feeling it in a pocket, but we'll see. We'll see. I might be able to replace my uh, a lot of my wallet with that, so that might actually not be a bad idea. Um, and the thing is, um, not only does it have a ridiculous lifespan, it actually will work as a power bank. So, so the phone itself can be used to recharge other phones, for example, which is a rather interesting. And it can so it can supply ten watts. Which is kind of crazy. So if somebody else has a, a fast charging USB-C cable or something like that, then they can use this. So that's rather an interesting set of features that I'm rather, I, I will get my hands on it uh, this coming week, I think. And unlike other people, I'm not buying this thing from China. So I'm not going to wait three months for it to come, given that there are shipping delays. And the other fascinating thing about this is uh, it's stock Android 10 or near stock. And I'm learning more about what it would take to root phones and, and flash it with some other version of stuff and this kind of stuff. This phone seems to have been largely abandoned by the manufacturer, which is a little, little annoying. Uh, there's some user updates and stuff like that, but this has an early, so this has Android 10, which is the latest and greatest which is nice to hear. And I always thought that you can, you know, just like connect to wireless and update your phone. I thought that was a thing, but that's apparently a thing connecting to the manufacturer, not to like Google or something. So I might have to do some manual stuff to update that. Um, but I might not bother because I might not particularly care about the security fixes because I might not be doing anything particularly interesting on the phone. So I don't necessarily care. Um, but that's a, that's a, a nuisance that I wish I knew about before I bought it because I wouldn't have. But with that price, it has NFC, which which is shocking because most phones with that price range do not have uh, near field communications. So in theory, this could be used as a as like a card payment. So for for the uh, for making contactless payments, a lot of people can use a phone. And you would need to have a phone with that functionality. And I've already got a device whose name I can't remember because it's been so long since I bought it, which is actually a sticker with buttons on it that I can macro to functions. And it's an actual, it's an NFC device that I can stick to the back of the case or the back of the phone. And I think it's the one I got is four buttons. So I could have one like turn on the video camera or one do whatever the heck. and. So that would be rather, it would be nice to get that going. So this extra money that I spent for that also lets me use this other toy that I bought a while ago. So that would be rather nice. So I do have stuff that, other stuff that I could talk about. The The last thing I want to bring up with the last few minutes is um, I looked into, so the contact tracing stuff, the apps that governments are now suggesting quote unquote suggesting for people to the big brother stuff that they want on people's phones um, i looked into that to see what my country is doing this so it's canada and because there there is stuff there and some of it some of it for some places it's outright dark um is is really really nasty evil terrible there's a reason i can easily say big brother it, it is bad stuff 
Um, the, but the version in Canada of what's being developed is separate. I believe they've, I actually looked in in Canada, the Canadian government has um, some, a call to action for open source developers for some of its stuff, which will be nice to see because I think all government, especially there's, there's some pushes on making a lot of stuff unified across uh, countries, which is scary and stupid and I don't like it, but if it's open source, that's a good start. But the Canadian version is specifically designed to not uh, use GPS and to not have the, any identifiable information, which is a little weird. I'm not sure how it works, but what it does is it does um, it reaches out with Bluetooth to to audit to examine other devices, and then it'll notify you if somebody in a in a nearby device has had exposure to somebody down down the line this kind of stuff. And I'm not sure, again, I don't understand how that could work if there's not base stations that have a GPS location where you can say things like that restaurant had somebody who turned out, even that's complicated. They were tested positive for coronavirus. The cold is a coronavirus. Like, so so, but what, let's say somebody died and they went to this restaurant and they were at that restaurant um, X number of days ago. And you went to that restaurant Y number of days ago. And so maybe your phone would tell you, but your phone would need to know that you had been at that place at that time. And so I don't know how many places in Canada doing it, but there are efforts to have notifications and lists of hotspots of things like restaurants and such. And it is it is likely optional everywhere so far. And but a lot of places are being very open about when they learn this stuff, and so they can actually post a notice on their on their front window saying, "If you were here at this time, you know, be aware that somebody somewhere had, etc." And and that's not that we're Canadian, so we're rather different than other places. So we're not actually scared away from going to places because of things like that. Um, so it's just kind of like FYI type stuff. And the list of places that have been uh, that have that kind of notice. So there's a government website that'll just list the places. The list is really short. So because coronavirus isn't particularly problematic in Canada, even though. It's kind of annoying because it's in, in a couple of our provinces, in a couple of places, it's it's uh, advertised as being pretty bad. Uh, we're better than Europe, so I mean we're doing okay, and it's not in all countries anyway. So, et cetera, et cetera. We're not stacking bodies like cordwood in the streets, so it's not. This is not like the Black Plague or anything like that. Um, I'm still reaching out to see if I've heard of anybody who knows anybody who's been sick. So, and it's at that stage where, where you actually have to test to find it. It's just, <laughs> otherwise you just won't know. Um, so this would normally be our 50 minute break. Minion, are you still tired? You still want to stop it here? I want to go hug that bed. It looks nice and comfy. Your bed looks comfortable. Okay, well, yeah. So if you have a sleep, that means you're going to be wrecked and staying up until six in the morning. So you might have to be put... a three-hour nap. Hopefully, and then as soon as you wake up, have yet another shower, 
and then maybe you have to have an additional shower to keep yourself awake in the middle of your evening i guess and then push yourself to get to sleep at some re- like set a goal and make sure you're not using the internet for an hour before then so that you don't you don't, don't be using your eyes because maybe that's what's keeping you awake like all this bright stuff shining in your face um, and uh watch what you eat and don't eat before going to bed i learned actually i learned one of the consequences of uh, vitamin D is vitamin D actually will um, impact your sleep hormone. I can't forget which I can't remember which one that is. Either way, um, I'm gonna cut this short. I really want to lie down. <laughs> okay, guys. So um, we're gonna be back on Wednesday. However, I'm still determining whether or not I can be here next Wednesday because I might have an opportunity to sit in on a conference with some rather middle end programmers and learn some stuff i'm not into programming but i like programming so i don't do the programming i just like paying attention to it so uh if we're if i'm not here on wednesday what i'll probably do is i'll I'll create a clip show of some of our previous stuff and get keep you interested and at least give you something to listen to so there's no real break and as usual we'll have uploads every day so i will see you in spirit or in person on Wednesday. Thank you very much. And recording has stopped as well.